0: Here comes the money! Here we go! Money Talk! Hello and welcome to the Financial Fitness Money Podcast, your number one stop shop to all things money management. My name is Nicolette Mashile. I am, of course, your host. I'm also known as the Financial Bunny, and I'm here to put lipstick on that money pig. This week's book is called What They Don't Teach You About Money Seven Happens to Unlock Financial Independence. It is by a lady by the name of Claire Barrett. I don't know if we read this book already, but. I bought this book at an airport and at the back it says, what they don't teach you about money is a call to arms to reclaim your power and make your money work for you. It's written in a way that anyone can understand. There's no headache inducing jargon or finger wagging in this book. Just confidence boosting tips that make you laugh along the way. And yes, I did laugh. I did laugh. Um, And Claire is a great champion of financial literacy, right? I just don't know. The book felt like, again, it's one of those books that I read and I was like, hmm. This book feels more like writing information that is already out there in the world. I, I needed, I for me, it needed more personal experiences. It needed a little bit more, you know, it, it's a good book. I'm not going to take that away from Claire, but it needed more. I don't know. I feel the same way that I feel about this book that I felt about that property book we did last week. So I'm not sure if... Uh, uh, I do like page, page 246. I don't know if it's a chapter on its own. I read this book in the flight, um... And it talks about talking about money. Um, so it's chapter 10. It's talking about money is something everyone finds hard to do. But British people are famously awkward about it because this urgently needs to, and this urgently needs to change. So again, I think maybe that's why I didn't relate too much to some of the stories that she shared in the book. Because she really did write it for the British market. Um, whereas if it's a, you're writing a book that's going to end up in my shores and I'm in Africa... It still needs to be a little bit relatable, even to me as an African, right? Um, I do find that the book is relatable to a certain extent, but I didn't relate to her stories. And I guess they are not my stories. So, um, yeah, it's a good book if you want to read about financial literacy and understand financial literacy. But eh, I don't know. But let's talk a little bit about chapter 10. Um, chapter 10 is talking about money. And if you go to page 246, she speaks about talking about money with your partner, which is very, very important because um, she says, judging a prospective partner's attitude towards money starts before you've are even before you even been on your first date, coffee or dinner, swanky restaurant or street food. And then you have the vexed question of how to split the bill. Many people don't even speak about splitting the bill on that first date. Um, Engagement that they have with another person that they potentially would like to date. And it's important. And I always find that in African context, most men will either from the beginning they'll talk about it or they will overcompensate and they want to um, create this precedence that they're going to be paying for dates and then later on in the relationship people start getting tired and over it because actually why are you expecting me to pay for all of our dates if we're supposed to be equal partners? There's that conversation about women want 50-50% but they don't want to pay for dates does that make sense? And then women are like but men are supposed to be providers and protectors so it's it's a very weird conversation when it comes to money and relationships Relationships and and I, I like the way she's made this, this this chapter very very simple and easy enough to understand, right? So she says, whatever your decision is on the conversation around money with your partner will come down to your individual money values. How well your values might interact with those belonging to a potential partner is sometimes described as your financial compatibility. If you are broadly in alignment, this is a strong foundation for your future relationship. But if there's a mismatch, it could end up in lots of arguments. And it's important to understand that every single one of us has a different experience with money or how we grew up with money, right? So for some people, they've got a very strong foundation with money in their lives because maybe they've just always had an overflow of money or their parents had really great the conversations around money, money management. Whereas some people, that was never there. So they're having to learn that in their adult years and having to relearn their relationship with money and creating those solid foundational um, values with money. So you may date somebody that doesn't have the strong um, 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 a financial management acumen, right? Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that your guys' compatibility is not great, but there could be a mismatch in timing. Same way we always talk about, you know, the timing of a relationship is important. You may find somebody who's really compatible with you, but the timing of you guys dating is maybe incorrect. Maybe they've just come out of another relationship. Maybe they're concentrating on, you know, building up their career. Maybe they've got, you know, they're going through trauma. They've lost somebody important in their life and you come in and you're the perfect partner but the timing is wrong. So I find that there's also a mismatch of financial compatibility sometimes with partners, maybe somebody that you meet who started their career late and they're advancing the the career itself has great potential to make this person a lot of money. However, when you are finding them, you are already so over dating guys that have no money you are so tired. You no longer want to do it. And you just give up on this person because you just feel like, I uh-uh, can't be going half, half, halfies on a date. Or you look at this person, they're not driving the car that you think they should be driving um, based on their age. But what you're taking, um, what you're disregarding rather is the fact that they may have started their career a little bit later than you. Maybe they went to university late. In fact, I know a guy who is a lawyer now Um And he is around my age But he got into law Quite later on in life So he obviously wouldn't be At the same level As lawyers that I know Who are my peers Simply because he started His law career later But The fact that my friends who are lawyers are demonstrating a different type of wealth category based on the career that they've chosen shows that there is potential for this career path to start building wealth, right? And if this person has done so much with the little that they've had, with the amount of years that they've been in the career, shows that maybe our financial compatibility does exist. However, they've just started their careers a little bit later. Some people start their businesses later. I mean, we look at Colonel um, Saunders from KFC. We look at, there's many entrepreneurs, in fact, who really got their big break later on in life. It does not mean that person is not financially compatible. And I think it's a very dangerous thing to, to try and measure compatibility of finances based on how much money the other person has. There's no way. There's no way your compatibility can be based on um, how much money a person has, right? It has to be based on what type of values does this person have? What type of um, belief system does this person have? That's the only way you're going to be able to really fully say, okay, this person is um, compatible with me their values, how they react around money, what moves them. And also to say, hey, this person is a, is new money. You see how they be. Guys, we all are new money at some point. You may be new money. You may be new money to 10 rand. I may be new money to 100,000 rand. But at some point, all of us are new money to some, uh, some amount of money. So new money cannot be a way in which we shame people, right? And say, no, they definitely are not comparable to us because we're shaming them. No, we can't do that. So it's important that we do look at that aspect when we're looking at compatibility. Very, very important. But when do you have this conversation with your partner around financial? compatibility obviously it's not something that you're going to spring on them the moment you meet I mean we're meeting in the streets now we're meeting there at Jamelia. I'm already asking what's your credit score uh, how much money do you make How many days do you have? What's your debt to income ratio? No, of course not. I think somebody's finances start becoming important to you when one, you can see that you want to be committed to this person. But two, also when you guys start sharing financial responsibilities or financial commitments like moving in together, starting a family. I think the day and maybe if you guys start having unprotected sex and there's a possibility of a baby going to happen, you better start discussing your finances also. Because if you're going to go that far, it means that you could make Baby and you don't want an oopsie baby to only to find out that the person you're having an oopsie baby with is in deep debt. Very important. So there are certain life things that if you're gonna start doing, if you're gonna start doing those things, you better start discussing finances with the other person. Finances and whether kobo na lawyer or not, you know, you don't want to make a baby with somebody where they wake up at 12 o'clock every day to do rituals, please, unless they pray. I'm just joking, guys, but I'm just saying. Sometimes I do think that we jump stages with our partners um, and we never have the finance conversation and the finance conversation can make or break that type of relationship. So I like the fact that she put this um, chapter in the book because this chapter is very, very important because it also speaks about areas of financial conflict with your partner, where could you guys... Sometimes your conflict could be, and I I found this conflict with um, taking holidays, right? So um, I, I put my... I put a lot of effort in how, where I stay. So my friend Kano and I Always have this chuckle uh, We're going to a wedding in Venda And we're talking about You know um, Let's maybe extend This uh, Venda trip And after the trip Let's maybe go to a lodge And we're looking at lodges And I kept sharing lodges with her She kept saying no She was like Nicolette How are you expecting us To leave our five star homes To go and live in three star uh, 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 Holiday homes And I was like This is it She gets it So we we Both of us We put our values And place our values On where we're going to live If we're going on holiday So the is is important to us whereas some people will put value on how they fly there they want to fly in business class some people will put value on what um, excursions they are going to go into you know um, what are they actually going to do when they get on holiday I know it's a simple example but it's simply to demonstrate to you that we all place our values on different things so for instance you may find that your conflict is not necessarily that you guys are not compatible it's just where you believe in things I'll give you another example I met a young lady who says she does not believe in paying c- c- uh, her cars off hey. And I was like what? And I didn't understand what she meant I'm like, why would you not want to pay your car off? That is so random. But it's something that she was taught by her her parent, that you don't need to pay your car off, you can just go and change it and trade it in for another car. I believe in ownership, so I believe in paying a car off. So can you imagine if I was dating a guy who didn't believe in paying cars off? I'd get so frustrated because we would never pay off any debts in our homes for cars, you know what I mean? So it's things like that that I think... um, very 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 important that you kind of figure out and even when you're working through this financial compatibility or financial conflicts with your partner you actually look at the issue and not the person because often what we do as human beings is that we don't deal with the p- with the issue we want to deal with the person the moon too and we're like yeah, no it's not that i like that it's what i have been taught in my life So my understanding of debt has been framed in a specific manner and that's why that becomes my go-to when we're speaking about debt. So those are some of the things that I want us to definitely be looking at. And that actually takes me into today's episode of Yes, Money Does Matter. I want to talk a little bit about debt repayment strategies, right? So there are three different types of debt repayment strategies that I want to focus on today. Um, you've, I'm sure you've heard of them. They're very, very um, 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 easy to to, to to put into, into action. Um, however, it's very important, again, that we speak about what is a debt repayment. Generally, debt repayment for many people when you apply for a loan, The financial institution will look at whether or not you can afford to repay the loan. So for many people, if you've planned correctly, you probably can afford to service your debt every single month. So people will say, but then what's the point of paying off the debt? We want you to pay off the high interest rate debt because we know it's an expensive debt, right? So the higher the interest rate, the more you're going to pay overall on that debt. So that's why it's important to pay it off. Right, but you do need additional money to pay off because when they work out how much you need to pay every single month, that is what we call your minimum monthly repayment. So let's say on a loan of 10,000 rand, your minimum amount that you must pay every month is 900. So you're going to pay 900 in a month. 900 Ren is calculated based on also the term of the loan. So the loan is for three years. That's how they've calculated to make the maximum amount of money from you on that loan. But if you decide that I'm going to pay off this loan in a year, you do need to pay off additional amounts of money so that you can quickly finish off the debt. Because how do they calculate your monthly repayment? They calculate it based on the outstanding balance, the interest rate, and the loan period. So as long as you've got an outstanding balance... It means that you're going to be charged a repayment every single month. So I wanna start off with the easiest one. There's three that I wanna talk about. The one is the snowball method, the next one is the avalanche method, and the last one is called the credit um ooh. Sorry. The 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 it's it's called The credit, I'll come back to it. I'll come back to the name of what it's called. I don't know why that eluded my brain so quickly. But basically, let's start off with the snowball method, right? The snowball method basically says that you are going to list all of your payments. um, Your payments according to the balances that are outstanding. So the smallest outstanding balance at the top and the, uh, the, the highest outstanding balance at the bottom. So you are going to list them in that order. Once you've listed them in that order, you are then going to pay off the smallest one uh, with additional amounts. So on each one of those loans, you're going to make the minimum monthly payments on each date monthly. So the way you're going to get debited as you normally would, you're going to pay them. Then on the one, you're going to make an extra payment on the smallest outstanding balance. When you are done paying that off, you're going to move to the next highest uh, outstanding balance, right? So let's assume, for instance, you've got three loans. You've got a credit card you're owing... 5,000, you've got a personal loan. you owe 10,000, you've got a store card where you owe maybe 3,000 rent. How you will list them is the store card will come first because it's the smallest outstanding balance, then the credit card will be next with the 5,000 and the personal loan with the 10,000. So let's say you pay your minimum amount on each one of them. Then you must find an additional 100 rent to pay into or 200 or 300 to pay into the store card. You pay that. Then when you are done, you move on to the next one, which is the credit card, right? And on the credit card, you're going to take the monthly, the minimum monthly amount that you were paying on the store card plus the additional amounts of money and you're going to use that as an extra amount to pay into the credit card and you go on like that until you finish off all of your debt now this is not the most optimized if you want to pay as little as possible because you are not dealing with the highest uh, interest rates so you're not paying off the most expensive of your debt you're paying the one with the least amount of outstanding balance where we bring in the avalanche which is the one that you will list your your, your debt according to the interest rate so we will say list your debt according to the most expensive uh, loan that you've got now the most expensive loan is the one that you are paying the highest interest rate on. So let's go back to our example. Let's say on the store card you are paying 23%, on the credit card you're paying 15%, and on the personal loan you're paying 17%. It now means that the store card will still be the one that you pay off first because you owe you paying 23% on it. But the personal loan will be the next one and then the credit card will be the last one that you are dealing with because the the higher the in, the credit the interest rate the more you are paying on that loan. So the more you must um, 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 tackle it quickly and finish it off as quickly as possible. The next one is called the Cash Flow Index. Now, Garrett Gunderson, who is an author, I absolutely love him. He also has a book called um, Why Budgeting Sucks. You must read that book. But he has a book where he speaks about the cash flow index, right? It's another way of t- tackling your debt repayment, but it focuses on maximizing your cash flow. So freeing up some money to get rid of the debts and getting rid of your most inefficient debt repayment first. So how does this work? It looks as your, it looks at. As- the, the, the cash flow index looks at your expenses arising from debt repayment from a cash flow point of view so particularly it helps you identify which of your debt repayments are the most ineffective or inefficient in, in terms of getting rid of each debt so that you can focus on the more efficient loans right so the cash flow index, the formula is the outstanding balance of the loan divided by the monthly ma- amount that you pay. So let's say you've got a home loan where you are outstanding 600,000, but you're paying 6,000 Rand. So you would take the 600,000 and you divide it by the six um, uh, 6,000 and you will get an exa- a, a number. But um, whatever the number is, the closer the number is to zero, the more inefficient that loan is. The higher the number is, the efficient the loan is. So it's not taking up a huge chunk of your cash flow. So let's use an actual example. Let's say your house is 750,000 which is what is um, outstanding. And then you're paying like 6,560, right? Every month. You take the 750,000, you divide it by the 650, you're going to get 114, right? That 114 is basically what is your cash flow index number it will tell you whether or not this loan is efficient so as i said the higher you are over 100 it shows that the loan is actually efficient so you can actually pay off this loan taking your time and servicing the debt. but if you have a cash flow index that is lower than 50 and closer to a zero it means that that loan is inefficient and you've got to start paying that loan as quickly as possible so let's use for instance um uh, an outstanding balance On a car So let's say your car Was 320,000 You are paying 4,000 rand Every single month For that car You take the 320,000 You divide it by 4,000 rand You'll get a CFI Of 80 The 80 is close to a to zero. So that is the loan that you're going to pay off first because it's inefficient and it takes a big chunk of your cash flow out of your bank account. I'm hoping that these are some of the strategies that you can use. Pick the one that works best for you. Use these strategies to start paying off your debts and let me know how it goes. Because of course yes, your money does matter and we want you to optimize how you're going to be repaying debt um, so that you can actually put more money back into your bank account. Remember, You can have a financial plan where you need to pay for life insurance, home insurance, where you want to pay for funeral cover, you want to contribute to your pension fund. But all of those things are going to need you to build your disposable income right after you've paid for everything you need to pay for every single month. And the only way to do that is to start moving your money away from servicing unnecessary debt or high interest rate debt or inefficient debt so that you can channel that money into building the blocks of your generational wealth i hope that uh, that episode helps you this episode helps you a little bit in making sure that you are finding the right debt repayment strategy for your debts don't feel deluded and discouraged by debt it is not a permanent state of being it is something that you are dealing with right now and if you deal with it then it will definitely be resolved please do remember that none of our audio podcasts are financial advice. We're simply giving you those financial tips to help you put lipstick on that money pig. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Bye.